repeat, I'll just repeat good morning to everyone and uh, trust that you'll pray for us and for one another as we meet here this morning, uh, that God will uh, help direct our our minds that uh, these things I trust that we've been talking about, been talking about what's God's vision for the church. Uh, that's us. Uh, we ought to have a desire to want to know what God's vision would be for us and our uh, and our church and in our family and our homes. And so I trust that some of these things might be profitable. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, going back to the very beginning, that, uh, that uh, there are several metaphors mentioned in the, in the uh, Bible to talk about uh, the church, uh, one being a building, uh, another being a body. And last week we talked about how uh, the church is the bride also of Christ. And so uh, we talked about some of those things and then, uh, I guess, finished off a little bit with talking about what are some of the principles then that God would have for us as a as a church and as a body. And this is not, you know, we could go into talking about doctrinally things that, uh, that, uh, that uh, the Bible talks about as far as things we're to believe. But I'm just talking about general principles that God would have us to... Uh, to guide our lives. And last week we talked about one of those uh, that's brought, brought up both in the book of Deuteronomy and then Christ repeats it over in the New Testament that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And uh, then the second part of this summary of the law would be to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so uh, on these two great principles stand all the law and the prophets is what Jesus uh, tells us. And uh, so uh, one of the principles for us, I guess, is to come to realize as as uh, members of his body, as, as his bride, uh, to think about how we're to love him and that uh, we know how he loved us. He gave himself for us. So we know that he loved us uh, with the greatest, most fantastic love that could ever be displayed. And the fact that he came here, left us, laid aside his glory, came and humbled himself, became a, a, a man like you and me, uh, took on flesh, uh, and uh, did all of that so that he could purchase his bride and uh, and die for us. So uh, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And our, our Lord loved us and gave his life for us. So he tells us, uh, going whether you're talking quotations from the Old Testament or New Testament, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and uh, and so uh, and to come and to worship Him while we're uh, here. So what is that? We talked a little bit about that last week. What does it mean to worship? It means to be bowed down. Uh, I think that's not just saying that uh, when we're here worshiping, we're supposed to be laying down on our knees and on our face uh, before the Lord, but we're to bow down our spirit. We're to bow down our pride. We're to bow down our way of doing things, humble ourselves before him and submit to his ways, that his ways are higher than our ways and that uh, uh, that we're to submit ourselves to him. And that goes right back to uh, uh, wives, be submissive to your husbands. We're the bride of Christ. We're to submit ourselves to him and to his way of, uh, of direction and guidance and doing things. So uh, all of these great principles that, uh, so if you start out with that and say, well, one great principle is we're to love the Lord our God 
with all of our heart and our, all of our soul and all of our mind. And uh, uh, if we do that, then that will guide our thinking. If we love him that much and we submit ourselves to him, it will guide our actions and guide our uh, tongue and our mind and what we think about and what we do. And, and I think that's what the, the whole idea was. If, you lo- if we love him that much, we're going to be submitting ourselves to him uh, on a daily basis. Not... Uh, I was blessed yesterday to went up uh, uh, to uh, Flint Church uh, in, uh, in Huntsville, and they were having a deacon's ordination up there. And uh, many of y'all know uh, uh, young brother Curtis D. Jarnett and, uh, and uh, brother Yule Glenn, who attended here at Jasper uh, back in the early days of him starting to uh, come around the Primitive Baptist Church and uh, was very faithful till he moved away and now lives in Huntsville and uh Become a deacon, and, and me and Brother Tim were were talking about. I think yesterday, Brother Tim McCool, that uh, uh, Curtis was uh, was a member was attended very regularly at Bethlehem when he was in school at Alabama, just like some of our other kids, our kids did during the time that they were down there. And and uh, you know, seeing these young folks get to this place where these things are starting to happen, it's like, I mean, it's like watching one of your kids come along and just grow up and mature, and uh, makes you feel so thankful because somewhere along the way. They took some of these principles that were being taught from the Word of God and made it theirs and said, you know, that's how I'm going to live and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to act. Uh, and now you see the fruit of that in their lives and their marriages and their families and so forth. So uh, just makes you feel good to see people uh, beginning to walk in the ways that, uh, that God has laid out for us to walk. And uh, so that's one of those great principles. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And uh, then he says, the next one is likened to it, to love our neighbors. Uh, and then we spent a lot of time, I think, uh, on one of these principles that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on with this congregation uh, this morning because uh, uh, because we spent so much time last year. And I think uh, last year talking about some of this uh, helped prompt me to end up talking about God's vision for the church. But uh, uh, we talked about some things in the 13th chapter, 14th, 15th, 16th chapters of the book of John, uh, and one of those one of those great comments that uh, that the Lord makes there is He gave, tells them He says, "A new commandment I give unto you, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love." One to another. So there's another one of those principles that's laid out in the Word of God. Uh, we're to love Him uh, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and then we're to love one another. Uh, and we'll talk about this, uh, I guess, as we get into this a little bit this this morning. But you know, loving one another that sounds that that sounds like uh, what is the old saying? Sounds like apple pie, and uh, and you know, it just sounds like good old common sense. We're just to love one another. But you know, uh, anybody that's married, anybody that has children, anybody that has a family, I think I got all of y'all covered, right? Uh, any, you know, loving one another is hard sometimes. Loving one another can be a challenge. <laughs> loving one another. And, uh, and so it takes a whole lot of uh, forgiveness and a whole lot of charity and a, a whole lot of grace and all those things to love one another. And that's what God would desire us to learn here in the church as a body of Christ. Learn how to love one another and forgive one another and be charitable to one another. So he starts out with this, a new commandment I give unto you. This is something new that Jesus brought along. It 
wasn't part of the old uh, law covenant that was back there, but it was something new. Love one another, and by this shall all men know that you're my disciples indeed. As we carried some of this thinking out, not only uh, uh, if uh, in, uh, in teaching over this back last year, uh, but we, we went through this 14th, 15th chapters of the book of John, and I just want to mention a few things this morning uh, from some of, those, uh, some of those verses. If we go into the 14th chapter now, he gives them a new commandment. Then in 14, you're familiar with this, I hope, or you remember. Do y'all remember some of this from last year? I hope some of y'all remember this. And, you know, that uh, we were talking about the fact, here's Jesus on his last night with his apostles uh, uh, and as he's leaving the upper room he's teaching them and talking to them and walking toward the garden of Gethsemane and and in my mind you know if you just think about this he knew what was coming and he was giving them some of the greatest nuggets he could give them leading up to what they were going to face uh, and what they were going to endure and some of the great things that he would have them to know as they start out into their ministry uh, in serving him so he begins to tell them don't be troubled I'm going to build a place for you. I'm going to uh, uh, prepare a place for you. And he said, if I prepare a place that where I am, there you may be also. And he goes through all this and he's he's walking them and he says uh, uh, this in uh, John 14 and 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Uh, if If you love me. Keep my commandments. What have I commanded you? Love one another. <laughs> uh, and, and he goes on through all of this teaching here in John 14 and 15 and, and tells them uh, uh, to be, uh, to be uh, uh, fruitful, to be, uh, since they're, they're part of the vine, that Jesus is the, uh, uh, that he's the true vine, his father's the husband. And he goes through and talks to them about bearing fruit. By bearing fruit, that means they're abiding in him. How can any man bear fruit unless he abides in the vine? If he lives, in the place where you're going to get uh, the necessary nourishment to have fruit. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the things that, that, uh, that I think is a challenge to all of us, none of, none of us know, you know, I, I can look out here across this congregation this morning, uh, many of you have faced difficult days. In, in recent months and in, in the last year, some difficulties have come your way. And so uh, what we don't know is what kind of difficulties lie in front of us. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, as I've said before, I, I thank God many times that we don't know what we have to face. But what we do in the meantime is begin to is strengthen ourselves spiritually because we don't know what we're going to face. And so we need to be able to be uh, putting on the whole armor of God, preparing for whatever battles might take place where Satan may tempt us or other troubles may come. And maybe some of these things come to my mind not only because of circumstances of things that that I know of, but uh, but as you might know, I've been reading the book of Job over the last several days. And, you know, I I watched Job go through all this misery of losing everything. I mean, all of his all of his flocks and all of his herds and all of his children, uh, you know, and and the and the point Job got to the place where Job says, you know, I wish I had never been born, and I wish the day that I was born was cursed and never existed. I mean, he he looked so terribly upon everything. He was just like, I wish this I'd never been in existence for all this to happen to me. And then his friends come along and uh, I, I was reading through that, you know, and his, his friends, 
he calls them miserable comforters himself uh, on one occasion and, and talks about how they came to try to supposedly comfort him in this time of loss. And, uh, and they sit down and said, and, and what I began to look at, looking at this whole deal, if y'all follow me, maybe we can, y'all stay with me as I'm talking about this. Yeah, I began to see part of Job's problem and part of the, the men that were trying to comfort him's problem was, was their concept of who God is. The, the friends, their concept of God was, well, if you do good, things go good with you. And if you do bad, things go bad with you. That was their concept of God was that the reason, and so you deduce from all this, Job, the reason you're having so much trouble in life is uh, is because uh, you haven't been doing what you should be doing. You've actually been very acting very wickedly, and that's the reason God's wrath has come down upon you. Well, uh, any, for us here this morning, let's make sure we get this. You know, uh, the Bible says that it, it rains on the just and the unjust. And you know what? That Part of that tells me uh, good things happen to good people sometimes and good things happen to wicked people sometimes. Uh, and we see in the Bible even tells us many times the wicked prosper. Uh, whole, uh, uh, the whole 37th chapter of the book of Psalms is written, fret thyself not about evildoers. Uh, when you see them prospering before the in this old world, why? Because this world's the best they're ever going to have. If they prosper here, so be it. Uh, their, their eternal life is going to be misery and woe for them. So uh, in this life, you see people prospering that are wicked. You all see, see people prospering that are doing good. You know what you also see? You see people suffering that have gone through evil and gone through terrible things in their lives. You also people see people, good people, that go through suffering. Why? Because it's a common circumstance for everybody in this old world. You see good people, uh, they get cancer. Uh, you see good people, uh, you see bad people, they get cancer. You see people, uh, you say, well, I know why they've got cancer. Uh, they smoked all their lives and they did this all their life and they did that all their life and so forth. Then you see people say, you know what? They got cancer. I don't know why they got it. It's the greatest mystery to me. It's just part of their genetic makeup somewhere along the way that it came along. Uh, and so these people, Job's friends, had the idea, well, if things are happening bad to you, it must be because uh, you've done wickedly in your life. Not necessarily true. In fact, as we go on down through the, through the stage of looking at what happened to, to Job, uh, finally God comes on the scene and uh, he, he calls Job to, to remember uh, uh, the fact that I created everything. I'm, the, I'm over all things and so forth. And you know what? He never told Job about chapters 1 and chapter 2. He never told him that Satan came before him and said, you know what? Give him to me and I'll try him and we'll see if he'll stay faithful to you. God never told Job what was going on in the background. Job didn't need to know what was going on in the background. You know what Job needed? Job just needed to stay faithful to God, whether it was good circumstances or bad circumstances. And me and you, sometimes we don't know what's going on or why it's going on, and we don't need to know why it's going on. We just need to remain faithful to God. Our, my, my point of even talking about all this, our concept of who God is and what He does uh, and what He causes or what He doesn't cause, uh, our concept of God helps govern the way we handle things. 
The way we handle things comes back a lot of times to how we think, uh, you know, getting mad at God doesn't accomplish anything. Uh, and blaming God doesn't accomplish anything. Uh, and uh, and those, those men were blaming God and God upbraided them all there in the, in the process of that. So anyway, uh, we think about this. Our concept of who God is uh, gives us a great reason behind our service to God. Through good times, through bad times, through trials, through joys, through rejoicing, through blessings, uh, all these things, uh, uh, keeping a good picture of God, that God is holy, just, and right, no matter what. Whether we understand it or ever understand it, God is just and holy, uh, and He would desire us to be more like Him uh, in our walk. So he, he begins to lay out some of these things uh, uh, in, in John chapter 15. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> uh, boy, that's a, that's a bigger... Now the challenge just got a little bit bigger. Okay, I love you, but you mean i got to love you like Christ loves you? <laughs> Ooh, now I've got a bigger challenge challenge on my hands. Uh, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, and then again, he tells us here in John 15, uh, he repeats this commandment to us in John 15 and 17. These things I command you. Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I go up above that 16. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Ordained you that you should go for, go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. And if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So if, if, if they don't like what you're standing for and what your principles are, just remember, they didn't, they didn't like Christ either. Uh, they didn't like him coming along and telling them to repent. Uh, they didn't like them coming along and telling them uh, uh, to not make my house uh, uh, a house, uh, my father's house, a house of, of, uh, of uh, a den of thieves uh, uh, and a house of merchandise. My father's house is to be a house of prayer. Uh, they didn't like hearing all of that. Uh, they didn't like hearing that the Son of God had come. And that he had power to heal. He had power to forgive sins. He had power to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. He had power to give uh, uh, the, the, the blind sight, uh, uh, to make the deaf hear, uh, uh, to make those that had never walked rise up, take up their beds and walk. And they didn't like it. <laughs> they didn't like it one bit. Uh, and I'll tell you, sometimes our concepts of, concept of God can be very hurtful us. Let us not fall into the trap of the Pharisees and become so self-righteous and so uh, uh, indignant and uh, so prideful that we look down at everyone. We may just be looking down on some of God's children, some of our neighbors that we should be loving instead. So he tells us here uh, uh, in, the, in John 13, 14, and 15, love one another. Keep my, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, and then I'm going to turn over and just do this real quickly. Turn over to 1 John uh, chapter 3 because uh, if we turn over there, we'll find these lessons repeated. Uh, we find uh, John who had... Uh, uh, <coughs> Who had, who had been heard these things said, then in later later time, as he's writing to the churches, uh, begins to record these things again. Uh, John, 1 John chapter uh, 3, verse 23, And this is his commandment, that we should, uh, that we should believe on the name of, the son, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another 
as he gave his commandments. So John thought this was so important that he repeated this again later on, not only just in the recording of the Gospels, but then later as he's writing to the churches, John records it again here in 1 John that he gave us this commandment. What? That we should love, uh, that we should believe on his son, we should love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. So he begins to repeat this again. Finally, I think some of this summarizes it pretty good. If we turn down to look down a little bit further down at 1 John chapter 4. Now, if you want to read all of 1 John chapter 4, it's very good because it tells us uh, uh, more about his love and his care for us. But he says in verse 19, We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? He tells, he tells us that one of the bases here for us thinking about our, uh, our love of him is to say, you know what? We love him by loving one another. And if we can't love one another, how can we love the, the one that we've never seen? I, I, I think there's, there's so much to this that uh, if we can't love one another, how can we truly love God? Uh, and we surely won't love our neighbors. So loving one another and, and teaching this. Uh, for us is so critical that we're to love one another. All right, so uh, kind of look, one of the principles for us is to love our Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, love our neighbors ourselves, and then also to love one another and to carry that out uh, because he first loved us. Let's turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll begin to look at uh, another principle that he has for the church, and that principle is unity. Uh, you'd think, well, that com- that comes right on the heels, I think, of loving one another. If we love one another, then be unified together. And, he t- and, and Paul and Peter and Jesus and all of them taught this over and over again. Uh, as he's writing to the New Testament church here in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you're called. With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, listen to how he describes how we're to walk together, uh, walk worthy of this vocation. That we do it in all lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering. That means forbearing one another. Long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You're going to find as we look through this fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians and we look at some other places that are laid out in the New Testament letters, unity is one of the most important things to the church. Uh, If we think about being the body of Christ, if we think about being the building of Christ, if we think about being uh, uh, the bride of Christ, uh, then being unified has been, I've already kind of emphasized that, we all are members of the body, but we have different functions, different roles, but we're all to be working together, right? And so he, that whole thing kind of comes out again here in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, that we're to walk with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Then he says here in verse 4 of this fourth chapter, there is one body, uh, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope, 
of your calling. I mean, you notice how he uses one. There, there's, there's one body. We, we think about ourselves here as a church. Uh, there, I don't think he's talking here since he's writing to the church at Ephesus in this way. I don't think he's talking about there's one big universal body. Uh, that would be true uh, in an eternal sense of the eternal bride of Christ. Uh, but I think he's talking about the local assembly. There's one body. We're to be together. There's one body. One spirit, capital S uh, in the scriptures. Uh, there's one spirit that fills us here at this place uh, uh, through Christ. Uh, and that one spirit is to be the guiding spirit for our lives. One body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Uh, you know, the gospel. Call, there's a gospel calling. Uh, there's a calling that we have when the spirit calls us directly from a death in sins to a life in Christ. Uh, so you say, well, okay, Brother Charles, you've already mentioned two callings. Uh, uh, but from a, from, a, from a church sense uh, and a church body sense, there's one calling. The gospel calls out, uh, and that gospel gives us the hope, the one hope of our other calling, uh, the calling that we have uh, in Christ Jesus. One Lord. Uh, we're not, to, you know, you think about what, what was one of the problems they were having at the church at Corinth. And we'll kind of get into this as we think about all the ones that are used here. You know what the problem, why they didn't have unity at the church at Corinth when Paul had to write to them and upbraid them in, first Corinth, in the letter, uh, first Corinthian letter? Uh, the reason was uh, they all had a song, they all had a tongue, they all had a, uh, they all had a doctrine, they all had, and Paul said, you can't be together like this. Uh, you can't have everybody speaking at the same time. <laughs> you know, and he says there's confusion in all that. There's got to be unity of the body together. Uh, and so uh, he says there is one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, so uh, uh, as we look at all this, you say, well, there's about eight baptisms mentioned in the scripture. Uh, so what do you mean one baptism? When you think about the church, one baptism, uh, one baptism, one Lord, one faith. Uh, that's the reason when we talk about one faith, I'm not think, I don't think he's talking about the faith that we have through the new birth. Uh, I think he's talking about one belief. There's one belief here. We've got to be together. We've got to have one faith uh, in one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. And in you all. So, I mean, it, it's, it gets us, what knits us together? The Spirit, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These three are all at one. You think about that. We talked about this last week, I think it was, or maybe it was Wednesday night. Uh, but we talked about that, that compound unity of the Trinity. They're three, but they're one. Uh, we talked about in, in doing that. I know how we used it last week because we used it last week to talk about the, the husband and the wife are to become one flesh. Uh, compound unity. Uh, they're two, but they're one. They're together in mind and spirit and thinking and action. If I give a, if I give a couple of mar uh, some folks that are either married or about to be married some good advice, uh, I'll t I'll tell you this: uh, uh, learning to think alike and be together, so that your actions are moving together. Whether it's raising children, uh, I, I've seen this: husband and wife are not together. Uh, uh, one wants discipline, one doesn't want discipline. One wants this, one wants that. Uh, 
They're not becoming one flesh, one heart, one mind. There's things to talk about before you get married. Uh, there's things uh, uh, then to continue to be talked about after you're married. But you think about this. Uh, what is to be our guide? Uh, our guide for being in unity together here at this place uh, is recognizing we're the bride of Christ. <laughs> we're to follow His teaching. Uh, this is to be our guide for, uh, for one another. So one God, one Father who is above all and through you all and in you all and unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ some people say well you know what I would be of one heart and one mind and one spirit together with the folks up there at that church but you know what it's hard (laughs) God gives you grace According to the measure of the gift of Christ Uh, wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive uh I can go back and teach you about that again. But uh, you think we were captive to to Satan uh, through our nature? Um, Christ led captivity captive. Now we're captive to him. Praise God, right? Now we're his captives. We're his, uh, we're his church. We're his bride. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended and what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all in all. I like the explanation. I heard of that one time. We talk about that lower parts there. It talks about the smallest parts. And somebody made the comment said, Jesus Christ had to go down to the cellular level uh, to become the, uh, the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. He came to the lower parts of the earth, and the one that came all the way to the lowest parts of the earth is also that same one that ascended back on high. What a beautiful picture it is of how he made himself low, made himself nothing. Yet in all of that was the, the the fullness of the Godhead was embodied in that little thing that we can't even imagine or see. God, whew, that's, that's, that's beyond me. So he says, uh, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We've talked about this repeatedly, but why did God give the different gifts that he gave? He gave them for the perfecting of the saints or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. All of these are to be for your edification. Why am I here? Say, so, well, Brother Charles, you're up here. Just get up here and yell at us on Sunday morning, I guess, you know, or, or kind of talk to us and you talk loud. You bounce back and forth and all that. Hopefully I'm here to be, one, your servant, and two, to edify you spiritually with what God has given me from the Scriptures. To stir you up spiritually uh, in the things of God's Word. And so he says, uh, all of these gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for ministering, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, what? In the unity of of the faith. There's that word unity again. We're to be together. We're to be together, one heart, one mind, one spirit, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait uh, to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in him uh, grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so, again, he's talking over and over again, unity, unity. And as we as we get to the end of this, 
uh, it would be good to teach through this whole chapter, but I had no, I, you know, it's another one of those that I know I've done that uh, over and over and over again. And not that repetition is not good, but I mean, too much repetition, you know, is uh, is also boring. And so, uh, uh, if we get <coughs> if we get to the end of this chapter here in chapter four, he says. Let no corrupt, verse 29, let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So, uh, again, he tells us uh, to be forgiving, uh, to be tender-hearted uh, to, one, to one another. <laughs> There's that phrase again. Love one another, be tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, uh, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, you, you get to see again this one another type phrase that's taking place here, uh, that we're to love one another, forgive one another, be tender-hearted to one another. And I'll tell you what, in a place where that's going on, I'm telling you, there's a lot of love in the church. When there's a lot of forgiveness, a lot of tenderheartedness, a a lot of caring, a lot of love to one another. uh, And we begin to get the picture of what, what what was the subject when we first started this a couple months ago? God's vision for the church. What's God, what's God's vision for the church? God's vision is that we're together. <laughs> we're unified. We're unified in Him. We're unified in our teaching. We're unified in our spirit. We're unified in our love. We're unified in our forgiveness. We're unified in our tenderheartedness. We're unified in what we believe and what we teach and what we understand and about how we conduct ourselves. And that we're unified in the fact that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. We're unified in loving our neighbors. You begin to see what God vision is uh, uh, for this body that we're a part of. Uh, uh, let's turn over just to show and, and take this last remaining time that we have here this morning just to show this is not just a Ephesians thing or whatever. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 15. You know, and I think you'll begin to see a pattern. That's what I want you to see, uh, that this was, a, this was not just a one-time thing that uh, Paul taught somewhere once along the way, but in Romans chapter 15, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. <laughs> we ought to be trying to bear the burdens of others. That could go. We could go right over to Galatians chapter 6, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, but he says, we, ought to be, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. So our desire ought to be trying to help each other. Uh, and so he says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So uh, the punishment that should have been theirs fell on Christ. Christ didn't do that to please himself. He did that to uh, because he loved his bride and, and to fulfill the commandment of the Father. Uh, so he says, uh, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that covers the Old Testament for all those that are saying we can now throw the Old Testament out. Uh, it says, The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. 
Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another, uh, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. That we might be what? One mind, one mouth, uh, that we might uh, glorify God together here at this place. Uh, like-minded toward one another. You begin to see a theme. Be like-minded. Be one spirit, one mouth, one uh, uh, that you may glorify God together. Let's turn over to Second uh, Corinthians. Again, uh, to see the pattern uh, that he was teaching these things, every church he went to, he was teaching this, uh, to be unified, to be together. Here in Second Corinthians, he says... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Let's see if I can find verse, uh, five, uh, we'll just dive in here. <clears throat> right, verse, verse 10 of Second Corinthians chapter 13. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the love of God and the peace of God shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, so we're to be be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, be be together, <laughs> be together together, uh, be on the same page with each other with what you're doing and what you're thinking about. Uh, and the way we get unified is through the Word of God and, and letting that be our guide and our direction for things. Let's turn to Philippian, the Philippian letter. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 carries over into Philippians chapter 2. You're like, oh, Brother Charles, we do that. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, same thought, same, same, same teaching. Uh, verse 27 of, of the Philippians chapter 1. Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. What's to guide our conversation, our thinking, our life? Uh, the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Boy, he's wanting to see them working together. Working together in what? The faith of the gospel. Being of one mind, of one spirit. And nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For he just told them, by the way, the suffering that they would go through would be evidence of their salvation. The suffering persecution that they would they would find at the their enemies at the hands of their adversaries, he says, is an evident token. Uh, but to you, it's a token of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to uh, believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Oh, we did we forget that? Did we forget to tell y'all that about that portion of when you became a member of the church that part of your charge was you would might suffer for Christ's sake. Did we, did we forget that? Did we just say, it's all good from here? Uh, no. Uh, he says, uh, he tells them and writes to them that you might also uh, suffer for his sake, having one, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. If there be any consolation, 
any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that means mercies that come out of your out of your insides from down deep within you is what he's trying to say. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be what? Like-minded. I'm, I'm telling you, this is not just something he taught once along the way and somewhere along the way. He says, we need to be like-minded, that you might be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is how the church is supposed to function. This is how the uh, the principles that are to guide us one mind, one spirit, unity, together, loving one another, caring for one another, forgiving one another. Uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I've told you all this. You know, I've, uh, that some, when I first read something, I was like, you mean I'm supposed to be looking on everybody else's stuff? Uh, well, that's not it. Yes, but that's not the way he meant it. <laughs> uh, you know, my mind comes along and says, I'm supposed to be kind of looking over there like it's something I want. No, he said you're supposed to be concerned about their their needs, their their wants, their desire more than you're thinking about yourself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, who took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Here's another principle for us. One, humility and not setting yourselves up to be the most esteemed person uh, in, in all, all the things that are going on. So, again, he te- he, one, of the, one of the principles of our church is humility, like-mindedness, uh, putting others a set ahead of yourself. I'm telling you, in today's world, this is like revolutionary thinking today to put others in front of your own needs. Uh, but you know, I see, uh, I'm thankful I see that among many of you, uh, that you think about your family or other members of your family or other folks of the church or other things instead of thinking about ourselves. But this is to be the guide, one of the guiding principles of us in the church is to Think of others. Don't always be thinking about yourself. It's called sacrifice. It's called being a, a sacrificial love. You know, that's the kind of love Christ had for us. You know, if it was all about him, he had it all good up on, up on the, the throne on the, in the throne room in glory. Uh, he had everything good, everybody waiting on him, everybody walked, floating around singing praises to him. Uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, everything's good. And he left all that. Because he loved us sacrificially. Uh, and so he says to us, have a sacrificial love. Don't always just be thinking about yourself. Think about others. What can I do to help them uh, and, and carry out the commandments of Christ? Let's turn over to 1 Peter. Uh, I, I decided to see if I stayed all with just the teachings of the Apostle Paul. You'd say, well, yeah, that's what Paul taught, but... You know, the, you know. Have you ever heard people argue things like that? Well, that was just Paul's thinking along the lines. No, let's give some other examples. Let's turn to First Peter, uh, chapter three, and let's see what Peter had to say about this as well. 
right after he talks about Sarah and Abraham and how uh, Abraham loved Sarah and Sarah loved Abraham and they were husbands. And Again, here's a bride, husband, bride example being given to us here in the scriptures. But in verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, Finally, be ye all of one mind. <laughs> Have we heard this lesson before? <laughs> be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are there to call that ye should inherit a blessing. Uh, so again, he tells us, be of one mind, be compassionate, be caring. Don't render evil for evil or railing for railing. On contrawise, bless people. Today, that would be a great lesson for a lot of people uh, uh, who at least call themselves Christians to not do railing for railing uh, or evil for evil, but to actually say, you know what, you may feel that way, but you know, I hope the Lord blesses you. Uh, and I'm praying my blessings upon you every day. <laughs> instead, of, instead of trying to say, I'm going to get them back. Or I'm going to say something back to them. They said this to me. I've got to have the last word. No, <laughs> that's, that's not how we show uh, the love of Christ. So uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, so so uh, to repeat, uh, to think about two of the great principles laid out in the Scripture. What are two or three script, uh, principles laid out? One, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Love our neighbors, ourself. Love one another as Christ has loved us and be in unity. One heart, one mind, one spirit, together serving the Lord. And I think if we begin to take that on and say, you know what? I am to strive. I'm not just to assume that I'm going to. I'm to work toward being together with this group of folks. To be like-minded with them. To be learn to learn to think what the way they think about certain things. Uh, as we think about. Uh, as we think about, you know, the, the, the people that might be younger in the congregation, you know, teaching them the wisdom that God's given us. You know, they'll be more likely to be like-minded if we share the wisdom that God's given us. So share what God's blessed you, the wisdom God's blessed you. Share that with the younger folks. Share it with the children. Uh, share that along the way. That helps us to be like-minded. And then, of course, always pointing them back to Jesus Christ, our Savior. May God bless you uh, this coming week. Think about that as we're together. What's God's vision for us? To be together, together. May God bless you, is our prayer.